I feel like preaching today. Here we are in the series, Lyrics and Lines, week three of the series, where we're looking at individual psalms, which theoretically are songs that the people of God worshipped to thousands of years ago, the birthplace for many of our worship songs today. And we're looking at those in an exegetical way so that you understand the context for which they were written, but also the personal application that they have for us today. How many of you know that God's Word was not just something that was meant for thousands of years ago, but the Bible says that He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and His promises are just as fresh today as they were the day that they were given. So look at your neighbor and announce to them the title of today's message, and that is this, The Inner Me. Look at your other neighbor and say, the inner me. Sometimes we get so focused on the external enemy when many times the greatest enemy that we face is the inner me. And it's how we function on the inner me, the inside of me, that really controls the dynamics of what is happening outside of me. You see, many times we can't control what happens to us, but we can certainly control our response to what happens to us. And so many times it is what's happening on the inside of me that causes me to be overwhelmed or what's happening outside of me. We're going to talk about how to balance the inner me today. Look at your neighbor one more time and say the inner me. Be seated. Are you ready to receive what the Lord has for you today? Then somebody look at your neighbor. You're going to look at your neighbor a lot today. I want you to say to them, are you ready to receive his word? Look at option number two and say, are you ready to receive his word? And take your Bibles and turn with me to the narrative that God will use to enlighten our hearts and minds today. And that is Psalms chapter 117. Praise the Lord. Twelve of you are ready. Let me just say this. My effectiveness in delivering this word is contingent upon two things. Number one, the Holy Spirit causing his word to come alive. And number two, your willingness and readiness to receive God's word. I'm ready to preach. So let me do some work to establish where we're going before we actually get to the narrative. And let me also say this for those of you who are watching at home, because I don't do this often. But let me say, if you're watching us online today on our internet campus, if you're watching us Facebook Live, if you're watching us through our incredible new app, our Epicenter Church app. If you don't have the Epicenter Church app, you need to download it. Go to your app store and download it. If you're watching us through the archived messages days, weeks, or months from now, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit will be just as powerful where you are, and he will work in your life where you are right now, just like he is in this room. But let me jump into where we're going today and before we go to the narrative, let me read a passage of Scripture that will just refresh your memory 
It's a place that we've been in for the last several weeks. It's a place that we've referenced several times that really establishes the Psalms, this group of Psalms that we are doing work in. Here is Jesus in the upper room on the night that he was betrayed. And here's what it says. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. This is Mark chapter 14, verse 22. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. Take this, it's my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now, hang on a second. Because here is Jesus using a language if you will, with the disciples that they haven't quite heard up until now. You need to remember, let me refresh your memory, that this is just hours before the Garden of Gethsemane scene. This is just hours before Jesus would actually give his life on the cross. And so you can imagine the turmoil on the inside. I need you to place yourself in the story, in the upper room today, because this is how you have to see where we're going. I'm going to give you a lot of information, but in I want you to envision what the disciples must have been going through at this moment. This is a, a very horrific experience. And when they're hearing Jesus say, my body which will be broken for you, my blood which will be shed for you, there has to be this awkward, deafening silence in the room as they're hearing Jesus say something that they have not heard him say before. My body will be broken for you this is my blood which will be shed for you and you know they're like hold on a second I don't understand that Jesus what are you talking about these are the darkest moments of their lives there's been a, a, a complete turnabout there's been this shift in their in their spirits because of what's taking place in the upper room that night they don't understand it why what do you mean and maybe somebody's over at the side saying somebody better check his his cup because I don't know what he's drinking tough crowd so Jesus knows what's happening in the room and he begins to lay out Judas will betray him and Peter will deny him the people will turn their backs upon him and and then he'll face this horrific death and all of this brokenness and this this bloodshed on the cross and he sees and can sense in their spirits that there's a shift and so now he realizes for the last three and a half years he's been building their faith but now their faith is under attack by fear so what would Jesus do at this moment to shift their perspective? Can I tell you what he did? He took out a weapon. And here's the weapon that he took out in verse 26. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Did you grab that? Somebody say sung. He put on his praise. He put on this weapon of praise. He put on a garment of praise. When the pressure of life became so much for Jesus, he put his praise on. This is an event that would cause him to sweat droplets of blood in a couple of hours in the Garden of Gethsemane. So what did Jesus do? He did something for the disciples so that the disciples would know what to do when they find themselves in that same predicament. He put on praise because praise enables him to overcome pressure. Let me give you a physical illustration to that spiritual dynamic. This past week, my truck told me that I had low tire pressure on my passenger side back tire. 
It's even said that there was 22 pounds of pressure in this tire. So I go to the convenience store, pull up to one of those brand new fancy air machines, Jonathan, that has an air regulator on the side that's digital, a digital display. Put my money, matter, and matter of fact, it even takes a debit card now. How many of you know that? You don't have to pull out all those quarters because nobody has quarters anymore. So put your debit card in there. And in a very ingenious way, it's no longer 25 cent or 50 cent or 75 cent. It's a dollar. Put it in, and then there's this digital display you can push for the amount of air that you need in your tire. So if you need 32 pounds, beep, 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 and get 32 on the screen, you begin to put the air in your tire. Well, if you need 37 pounds, beep, 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 you go up to 37 pounds, you put the air in your tire. Unfortunately, there was a a transitional problem between the machine and my tire. Not the operator. It just seemed like the tire would not inflate, even though the amount of pressure that I was applying to it, it should. Then I had this thought. Somebody say he's going somewhere. The spiritual thought, sometimes the external pressure is so great in our lives that it overwhelms our internal stability. Did you grab that? The external pressure is so great in our lives that it overwhelms the internal stability. It's like this. When, when I was young and we were growing up in church, you heard this, this concept, garbage in, garbage out. How many of you have heard that before? In other words, what you take in is what comes out of you. And we were so focused on making sure we didn't take in the wrong things that eventually we left out some of the right things. Let me say it this way. Sometimes it's not what we've taken in that becomes so detrimental to our faith. It's what we've left out. <laughs> Hello? So here was Jesus sensing in the upper room that the disciples were broken and their attitudes were changing the commentary amongst themselves. You remember Jesus could, could, could he, he knew what you were thinking before you ever said it. You remember all the stories in the Bible where they were like, how in the world did Jesus know what I was thinking? <laughs> so here is Jesus realizing and perceiving in his spirit what is happening. And they're overwhelmed by, by this. And so what does Jesus do? <laughs> Jesus puts on some praise. And theologians have told us that this was not just a one-song service praise where you sing one song and then you're done. We know that he began to praise to a, to a cluster of hymns, six different hymns called the Halil. The Halil is a cluster of hymns that are reflective in nature but also triumphant. So Jesus, if you'll remember, began to sing in the upper room Psalms 113. We looked at that on week one. Psalms 113 was, was one of those psalms that tells us that we should praise God regardless of the storm in our lives. When Jesus began to sing Psalms 113, when it says, Praise the Lord, all you people. All ye servants of the Lord, praise ye the Lord. From the rising of the sun until the setting of the same, praise the Lord. In other words, praise the Lord for he is our deliverance. Praise the Lord for he is our help. Praise the Lord for he is our refuge. Praise the Lord for he is our tomorrow. Praise the Lord for he is our forgiveness. Praise the Lord for he is our salvation. Praise the Lord for he is our hope. Praise the Lord for he is our breakthrough. Am I going to get anybody to help me praise the Lord? So, 
Psalms 114 that we talked about last week, first off, Jesus in Psalms 113 reminds us that when you have a horizontal challenge to get vertically connected, and then Psalms 114 becomes both reflective in nature but also prophetic because he begins to remind the people when he sings Psalm 114 in the upper room, he reminds the people of the redemptive qualities of God when he redeemed the people of Israel from the hands of Egypt. And the Bible says, and the seas fled and the river turned back. So what he's saying to us is that when you begin to put on your praise and remember all that God has done, if you'll praise him in the midst of all of that, when the raging seas are coming against you, he will part the waters that are before you so that you can see the promise that is on the other side. Do I have any praisers up in the house with me today? Do I have anybody that would say, I don't know about tomorrow, but I'm going to praise him. I have some fear, but I'm going to praise him. I'm not sure what to do, but I'm going to praise him because I know when I begin to praise him, it is the weapon that he inhabits. And when he inhabits the praises of his people, it becomes the promise that you need to overcome the pressure in life. Good Lord, have mercy. Mm. So let me read to you. Actually, I'm going to digress just a little longer and read to you before we get to Psalms 117. I want to read a few verses of Psalms 116. Can I do that? Because I think you need to understand the context of 116 to better have, or really to have a value system for Psalms 117. Is it okay if I pause my preach for a little and teach for a little? Is that okay? I want you to see something. Psalms 116, here's what the psalmist writes. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. How many of you know God hears you? Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. Verse 3. Imagine being in the upper room when you're singing this song and you get to this verse. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. And the Lord is gracious and righteous, and our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Prophetic. The disciples not really grasping what's happening, but Jesus also pointing to his death, but that God will save him when he is low. Because up from the grave... He arose on the third day. But hang on a second. I don't want to read any more of Psalms 116 because it's not the narrative that we're going to look at. However, Psalms 117 becomes very significant because Psalms 117 becomes the ideology that comes out of Psalms 116. When the psalm writer was writing 116 and he got to the portion where he said, and death entangled me, the cords entangled me, then in verse 117 or chapter 117, he begins to talk about who God is and what he does. And look what he says, Dwayne, in chapter 117. He says this, he says, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you people. Hold on a second. Here's Jesus in the upper room singing this song. Think about this. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. That's it. 
That's the entire chapter. Two verses. It is the shortest chapter in the Bible. However, in these two verses, they tell us very specifically who God is and what God does. Look at it again. And I want you to leave this up for a while, if you will, upstairs. Look at it again. Verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol the Lord, all you people. For great is his love towards us, and great is his faithfulness, for it endures forever. Praise the Lord. Grab this. In the middle of all of hell breaking out, if you will, in the upper room, God turns their attention to God. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol the Lord, all you people. Great is his love towards us, and his faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. There's something very significant happening that maybe you're overlooking. And that is, this is one of the first times that God turns the attention of his people to him this way. This is one of the first times that when verse 1 says, praise the Lord, all you nations, it is one of the first times that that God says that he loves or is for not just one people group. This is not delegated to one people group. You need to understand this. Prior Psalms tell the people of Israel to worship Yahweh. But this Psalm says, praise the Lord, all you nations, meaning that God is not here for one people group. The context of this psalm is finally telling everyone who hears it, including the disciples who were in the upper room, who were later here from Jesus just before the ascension, go and tell Jew and Gentile. So now they're hearing that this grace and mercy of God is not just for one people, not one family, not one people group, not one nation, not one tribe, but it's for everyone. So this becomes extremely personal when they're singing this in the upper room, because now, uh, up until this point, you've, there's been this concept that if you're not Jewish, then you're not worthy. But now we see that God loves everyone. In other words, the love of God that endures forever and ever and that is so great is not because of where you were born. It's not because of what nation you were born in. It's not because of the color of your skin. It's not because the education that you've received. It's not because the job that you have. It's in spite of the sin that you have. It's not because of the successes that you have. But rather, it's because God loves you. And at this moment, when the disciples are hearing this in the upper room, they remember that at one time they felt unlovable. But now they know that Jesus loves them. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol the Lord, all you people. For great is his love towards us, and his faithfulness endures forever. This is where it gets good, Shannon. This is where it gets really good. Because place yourself in the scene. If you're in the upper room, and you've just heard some stuff for the first time that you never thought that you would hear, and at this moment, it becomes the darkest moment in their lives. Everything that they've been living for for the last three and a half years is about to come crashing down on them. Place yourself there. The things that must have been happening, the commentary within the room. This is not how we envision this happening, God. Jesus, what do you mean? 
that you're going to die? What do you mean that your blood is going to be shed for us? What do you mean that you're going to be broken? What, what do you mean that it's about to radically change? Our, our lives are about to become more difficult. What do you mean? And then the commentary that they're having amongst themselves where they're like, well, Jesus invited us over for supper. We had no idea it would be the last supper. I worked on that a long time. You'll get it on the way home, maybe. Really a tough crowd. So here, Jesus is singing the song. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol the Lord, all you people. Great is his love towards us, and his faithfulness endures forever. Here is Jesus trying to shift their perspective because, because at once, one time they had this faith perspective, but now it's this fear perspective, and he's, he knows and he realizes that the inner me is having some problems with the external enemy. And now they're beginning to see themselves in a way that they'll never make it out of this dynamic. I envision this worship setting in such a way, and I may be wrong, but that's okay, I'm telling the story. But I envision when they get to this place and they've been singing Psalms chapter 113, Psalms chapter 114, 115, 116, and they get to 117, I believe that it's almost like a musical rest where they begin to pause and they begin to focus upon the greatness of God. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol the name of the Lord, all you people. For great is his love towards us. And his faithfulness endures forever. I need you to grab this. I think it was like this musical rest where he's trying to get them to shift their attention, where their attention is no longer on the external problem. And now seeing the inner me in a way that God never proclaimed, I, I believe that God is beginning to change their perspective. In, in fact, it makes sense to me because this short little psalm, is positioned in between two longer psalms, Psalms 116 and 118. There is something very significant about 118. But before you can actually read 118, you have to know what is happening in 117. Because it's at this moment that I, I envision Jesus like that air machine. He's trying to hit the button, if you will, beep, 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 beep trying to get more into us so that we take in more of him so that the things that are not of him begin to leave so that we can take in more of the right things so that the wrong things will become smaller in our lives so that we will see ourselves in the way in which God created us rather than what the world has said about us in fact let me tell you this th that part of the verse where it says extol the Lord all you people that is a Hebrew phrase extol the Lord actually means to praise God forcefully but something more significant than that it actually means to praise God intelligently what does it mean to praise God intelligently and with force it means that you pause for a minute take in all of the goodness of God and remember to intelligently think about everything that he's done so that you realize all that he's done that makes him worthy of praise. 
so the psalmist in 116 writes, I cried out to you, Lord, and you heard my cry. The, the cords of death entangled me. But then you get to 117, and, and there is Jesus just having sung that song, and now he breaks into praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol the Lord, all you people. Hold on, wait just a minute. That means to think about intelligently everything that God has done for me. God is my help. He, he is my source. God is my breakthrough. God is my tomorrow. God is my forgiveness. God is my grace. God is my salvation. God helped me that one time when I didn't know what to do. He calls me to know what to do. That one time when I didn't know which door to go through, God opened up that door and he closed that door. When I didn't know how to fix the situation that I was in, that's when God helped me. You see, when you begin to praise God intelligently, it will not allow your emotional disposition to control the dynamics of your life. So the disciples are in the upper room, and Jesus begins to sing this song, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol the Lord. Think about intelligently the things that have caused him to, to bless you and that should cause you to praise him. And then the disciples are like, hold on, we are, we're not sure about tomorrow, but we do know this, that he's a great God because he's done some incredible things. And the Bible says that he changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All of a sudden, they be can begin to say that he'll bless my lying down and my rising up, my coming in. Am I going out? He'll bless me in the city and in the field. Why? Because when I begin to praise him, he'll cause things to come into me and the wrong things will go out of me and the weapon of praise will become the weapon of choice. And then all of a sudden, I'll be able to sing Psalms chapter 118. Psalms 118.1 says, bless the Lord. Thank the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to him and his love endures forever. Can you imagine that? He's just told them every bit of that. They've had the more of the morbid part of 116, the praise part of 117, and then Psalms 118 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercies endure forever. Can you see the shift in the inner me? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. They've just heard the worst news of their lives, but they're saying give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. You see, I envision this praise service, if you will, when they get to this song, the syncopation changes. All of the instruments drop out. You know how we do sometimes. The only thing that is being played, the only instrument is Peter, and he's on the drums. How many of you know Peter played the drums? No, he didn't play no drums. Now, come on. But then they began to sing, praise the Lord, all you nations. Oh, God loves everybody. Extol the Lord, all you people. Think about intelligently everything that God has done. Therefore, I should bless him. Because great is his love towards us, and his faithfulness endures forever. Can you imagine this happening in this room? Can you imagine if we would all just memorize this psalm and every time we became anxious, we would quote this psalm? Not only that, but you could tell somebody I know an entire psalm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so here's 
Jesus, trying to shift their perspective, if you will, because he realizes that the enemy that they're focusing on, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders who are coming after them, is not really their enemy. It's their inner me that he's trying to get them to focus on. He's trying to let them know that he is inside of them, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He's trying to let them not focus on their external enemy, but rather the, the, the deposit of his peace inside of me. So there's a, a shift in the, in the room because he, he's trying to show them that, that you've got to worship him. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Grab it. I need you to grab this. Extol the Lord, all ye people, for great is his love towards me. His faithfulness endures forever. Jesus, when he is singing this, does not say to them that your situation is going to be over because really their situation goes from bad to worse. What he is saying is now you'll have a perspective of who God is because you see all that God has already done. And once you know who God is, you'll have the power to be able to know who you are in God. And it's that moment that you'll be able to say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. I don't know who this is for, but some of you embrace anxiety. Some of you embrace anxiety. I, I don't mean like, you know, in a, like, whoo, yes, come on, anxiety, yay. I want to embrace you. You're so good. I don't mean it that way. What I do mean is that you embrace anxiety by refusing to deal with the matter that makes you anxious in the first place. I wrote something down for you. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I wrote this down. Here, here's what you need. I think it'll be on the screen. We embrace anxiety by not gaining perspective over what makes us anxious. And our perspective changes when we focus on taking in more of God <laughs> and forcing the inner me to focus on the deity. I, I, write it down. Take a picture of it. If you'll write it down, your mansion in heaven is going to be that much larger. You'll have some granite countertops. <laughs> Somebody, I got to tell you this. Somebody in the church, they went and visited another church out of town and and, and they went up to the preacher and said, hey, I took some notes today um, because my pastor says that you'll make it into heaven if you take notes. <laughs> and that pastor, not knowing me, said, oh, I don't, I don't see that in the Bible. <laughs> well, he said it, you know. We should be note takers. How many of you know what I'm saying? Because it's the application of his word. What good is his word if we're not going to apply it? Look what it says. We embrace anxiety. By not gaining perspective over what makes us anxious and our perspective changes when we focus on taking more of God in and force the inner me to focus on the deity. Listen, you're going to have anxiety in life. It's just a part of life. I mean, the news outlets give us information by using fear tactics. And then they sell advertising space to the pharmaceutical companies that sell the drugs that help control anxiety. And the pharmaceutical companies own a stake in the media agency that just gave you the overwhelming anxiety that you have. 
So here is Jesus singing this song. There is this shift, if you will. What I'm trying to say is that we've got to balance what we take in. We've got to take more of the right word in in order to force the wrong word out. You see, some of you are living a deflated life because of the pressure that is on you. But what you need to do is remember Psalms 117, praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol the Lord, all you people. Great is his love towards us. Mm, good Lord, have mercy. And his faithfulness endures forever. Lord, I feel like preaching. Let me tell you something. Some of you need to stop worrying about the enemy that's coming against you. Some of you need to stop worrying about the people who you think don't like you. And you need to begin to proclaim the goodness of his word. Great is thy faithfulness and his love towards me. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love and his mercy endures forever. Let me give you three things. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta close. Somebody say he's gotta close. Give me some time to close, though. There's three things. I gotta put four up, but three things. One, two, three. Three things. Three things that you need to grab hold of when anxiety comes your way. Three things that come out of this passage of scripture. Number one, you need to realize that God's love is immediate. God is not up in heaven saying, giving you a look over saying, let me see, mm, let me see if I'm going to love him today. I don't know if I am. I don't like what he's wearing. I don't know if he's worthy. I need to find out. I need to know if he's worthy of my love. No, God doesn't do that. His love is immediate. Think about the, the different facets of humanity that Jesus ran towards on earth. The rich young ruler the old woman with, with a need, the young child with a future, the woman with a past, the leporetic man that no one liked, the invalid that everyone ignored, but yet his love is immediate for everyone. His love is immediate for you. You're not waiting on his love. He can't love you any more tomorrow than he loves you today. Hello? He doesn't love the person to your left or, or to your right any more than he loves you. The problem is the inner me. You don't love yourself, therefore you think he doesn't love you. Not only is his love immediate, but also his love endures. His love endures. His love is not temporary. In other words, he loves you today and falls out of love with you tomorrow. His love endures. Think about this. Peter denied him, and Jesus ran towards him. The people turned their backs on Jesus, but yet Jesus died for them. The ones who hurt Jesus when he was on the cross, what did he do? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His love endures. His love is immediate. But then the third thing that you need to realize is that God's faithfulness is eternal. 
and the promises of God's word that were given thousands of years ago are just as fresh today as they were then. And that's what Jesus was trying to do in the upper room that day was to remind them who they served. He was trying to show them great is his faithfulness. His love and his mercy endures forever. He was trying to show them who God is. And if God has done it before, he'll do it again. He was saying to them, you cannot be overwhelmed by your situation. Just because your situation is bigger than you, it's not bigger than him. Just because you cannot handle your situation doesn't mean that he can't handle your situation. Do not think that your sense of helplessness is greater than his ability to be faithful in your life. So when you begin to ask the question how, when you begin to ask the question why, when you begin to ask the question when, remember that his love is immediate. His love endures forever. And great is his faithfulness that lasts throughout all eternity. So when you are down and out, remember he will bring you out. When you don't know what to do, he does. When you are weak, he is your strength. When you're in the storm, he is your peace. You've got to remember to take more of him in so that you can overcome the inner me and begin to proclaim that we must praise the Lord all you nations. Extol the Lord all you people. And great is his love towards us and great is thy faithfulness. Somebody get up on your feet and begin to give God a praise. the inner me. Because God and His love is great towards you and His faithfulness endures forever.